0: Hello. Well, I will tell you, I love to talk about me, Margaret Carey, and Tink, and and all the different things that I've done.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zimrack. This is episode 442 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrack, and this week on On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, we have as our guest, Margaret Carey. Now, Margaret was on Andy Griffith's show and uh, a lot of different shows uh, in the early years of TV, but... She was also the live model for Walt Disney's Tinkerbell in the classic animated film Peter Pan. So uh, Margaret's going to be joining us. With a very interesting conversation we're going to be having with her. So much to talk about. Uh, what was it like and what what did they do so the animators could draw her to make Tinkerbell and uh all sorts of things. So stick around for that. That's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And it's also our time where we will be looking at February releases in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD. What do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for remakes coming your way in February in theaters, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
0: Please hang up and try again.
1: Remake Madness Coming your way in February in theaters as far as remakes. There are none. It's that time of year when things start to slow down as far as remakes. And uh, there are none coming out this month. So we will now bow out and get right into our next category. What's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in February, well, let's see, February 3rd, the space between us. Now, this is an interesting one. It uh, follows a young man who has uh, a, a, a kind of a, an odd life. What happens is his mother was on a Mars trip, okay, on the shuttle going to Mars. And she was part of the crew, and it turns out she was pregnant. So she ends up having a baby on Mars, the first. Person born on mars and then uh, he's trying she passes away during the childbirth and everything so he grows up on mars and then he wants to find his father on earth so it's a very interesting story and that's going to be coming up on february 3rd so be sure to look out for that and of course matt damon will be starring in the great wall on february 17th and the animated film Rock Dog with uh, the voice talents of Luke Wilson will be rocking theaters on February 24th. And that's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen be Beyond. What's coming your way as far as sequels in February in theaters taking you down to Sequel City. <laughs> Sequel City, it looks like as far as uh, sequels coming your way in theaters in February, not a whole lot. It's kind of quiet, actually. This is January, and that's what's usually happening. Not much. Rings continues the horror franchise on February 3rd, February 10th. We get Fifty Shades Darker with Dakota Johnson and Lego Batman Movie will be coming our way on February 10th. And also on February 10th, John Wick Chapter 2. Is going to be coming your way in theaters. That's it for Sequel City as far as sequels coming your way in theaters in February. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD in February, February 7th, Dynasty Season 1, From Dust Till Dawn, the series, Season 3, Penny Dreadful. Complete Series. Quantum Leap. The Complete Series. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The Complete Series. And The Twilight Zone from the 80s. The Complete Series. And Vice Principals Season 1. February 14th. Look for Beavis and Butthead. The Complete Series. Kojak Season 1. Star Trek Enterprise. Complete Series on Blu-ray. And The Western. The Complete Series. Collector's Edition. February 21st. Gracie and Frank will be coming your way Along with Lou Grant Season 4 Nashville Season 4 February 28th Fuller House Season 1 and That's it for TV on DVD Coming your way in February Next on On Screen and Beyond It's Movies on DVD Coming your way in February <laughs> Movies on DVD Coming your way in February February 7th Almost Christmas with Omar Epps; Loving with Joel Edgerton And Trolls with Justin Timberlake. February 14th, Arrival with Amy Adams. And Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. That's going to be coming your way. And it stars Vin Diesel. And The Edge of Seventeen with Kira Sidgwick. February 21st, Bad Santa 2 with Billy Bob Thornton. Ben Hur with Jack Huston. Bridget Jones's Baby with Renee Zellweger. Hacksaw Ridge with Hugo Weavering. And it looks like Jason Bourne with Matt Damon will be coming your way on February 21st. Along with, let's see, Manchester by the Sea with Kyle Chandler. And Snowden with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. February 28th, it looks like Allied with Brad Pitt hits uh, stores. And Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch. And Rules Don't Apply with Warren Beatty. And that's it for Movies on DVD coming your way in February. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, the librarians have been renewed for a fourth season over at TNT. And February 2nd, it looks like Hallmark's Home and Family Show is going to be having uh, Susan Lucci and several other All My Children stars, sort of like a reunion. They're going to be co-hosting, and you can look at uh, the long-running soap opera people to be on there, and Lucci they are going to be looking at uh, past shows and things like that. And Lucci will co-host for a complete week herself, uh, along with the guests, the people from the show. So that'll be an interesting one. And, of course, uh, sadly, another... Uh, celebrity has passed away Mary Tyler Moore has uh, passed and we uh, our thoughts are with her family and that's it for TV and Entertainment Time next on On Screen and Beyond it is Celebrity Birthdays <ülke>
0: Don't forget we told you
1: so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Celebrity birthdays on January 30th. Phil Collins turns sixty-six. Justin Timberlake talked about him just a few minutes ago. January 31st, he turns 36. February first, it looks like Michael C. Hall turns forty-six. And Paulie Shore, past guest here at On Screen to Beyond, turns 49. February second, well, Christy Brinkley turns sixty-three. February 3rd, Morgan Fairchild turns uh, 67. And on February 4th, Alice Cooper turns 69. That's it for Celebrity Birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, uh, let's see. uh, Ben C. of Dublin, Ireland turns 56 on February 1st. And let's see. I can't even read my own writing here. Cynthia T. of Frankfurt, Germany. Turn sixty-one on February fifth. All right. <laughs> I got to write larger here. I, can't, I I can't see. Anyways, uh want to wish you all a very happy birthday. If you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, send it to me at feedback at onscreenabeyond dot com, and uh, we will all be wishing you a very happy birthday. Send it to me ahead of time. You can send it to me a couple months if you want. Uh, I keep it on record and everything. Uh, And we will get uh, everybody wishing you a very happy birthday. So that's it for Celebrity Birthdays and Listener Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a very interesting guest coming our way. Margaret Carey is going to be joining us. She was on many TV shows, but she was the live model for Disney's Tinkerbell in the original classic animated film, Peter Pan. Going to be fun. Get ready for that. Margaret Carey's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who appeared in the Andrew Griffith show the Lone Ranger and did voiceover work on Clutch Cargo and Space Angel, but she always will be remembered as the live model for Tinkerbell during the making of Disney's classic Peter Pan. She has a new book coming out soon called Tinkerbell Talks Tales of a Pixie Dusted Life. It's Margaret Carey. Margaret, welcome to On Screen and Beyond.
0: Well, thank you kindly. I love the invitation. What a lovely introduction.
1: Well, Margaret, it, it, it's fascinating. I, I I saw your story, and it was like, I've got to get you on here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, I mean, there's so many different angles to go, you know, with your well, your story.
0: Well, you know, when we first started to talk before you. Recorded, I said, how much time do you need? And you said, well, it's sort of open-ended. And I thought, oh, oh, dear. <laughs> because I started in show business when I was four. I am now pushing 88. So <laughs> if it were open-ended, you know, 24 hours later, we'd still be talking. Right. Well, well what, let's start
1: right there. At four years old, how did that come about? Did your mother or your father somehow... Bring you to a studio or something or did somebody see you well, or uh, the,
0: the truth of the matter is, Brian, that I caused the depression. I was <laughs> born in 1929 and everything went right downhill from there. <laughs> and uh, my mother died uh, giving birth to my youngest brother oh. and I was adopted and these two people who were old enough to be my grandparents, uh, they decided I was so cute and Shirley Temple was doing so well that they would see whether they could put me to work. So the first one thing that I did was Midsummer Night's Dream. And if I remember correctly, I could make $8.50 a day being uh, in the movies.
2: Wow.
1: Uh,
0: yes. so For back then, my, that,
1: that was a lot.
0: That was a lot. Uh, some men were making $2 a day. Wow. Uh, so it... it it was, um, and I was talented, and they started me in uh, in tap dancing with Willie Covan, and uh, then I went on. I was a really, I still am. You know, I still tap when I do my, my shows. Really? <laughs> yeah. Surprise everybody. Wow. 87-year-old woman tap dancing and doing a good job, let me <laughs> tell you. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> and you should see the eyebrows go up. They go, what? It's very interesting. So uh, then, you know, you're in the business, and you get this, that, and the other, and you meet here and there. But I worked with Eddie Cantor in a big movie called If You Knew Susie that he produced at RKO. I did a big dance number on the tabletop, which you you can still see on YouTube, I think. And I was uh, 18 because I graduated high school while I was working on that movie. But my heart was really with television. i got to tell you, Brian, to work in the movies, particularly if you're a little kid, you get up at the crack of dawn, you get there, you put this makeup on, and you sit around in a schoolroom and you talk in whispers all day because nobody's allowed to talk any louder than that. They're, they might be shooting a scene. And you stay inside except for an hour off for lunch. And then you come back at 6 o'clock at night, or 5, whichever one they've called you on. You go home, and then you learn your lines. And then you do the same thing next day. It really isn't the most exciting life, Mm -hmm. but it certainly (laughs) teaches you discipline. Yeah.
1: Wow. Now, okay, okay, so you started very young and everything. Um, Now, was working on the Disney film Peter Pan something that was halfway through your career or 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 you know where did that take place and how did you get that? I mean you know the animators call up and say hey we need somebody to to, to do
0: this <laughs> well actually by the time that I was I had been working at ABC on the Charlie Ruggles Show, which was one of the first family network shows mm-hmm. and I was there for five years, I think wow, and then I had my own show on Channel Thirteen here in Los Angeles that were going on at the same time called Teleteen Reporter. Then I was doing radio radio that 's what everybody was doing. We were running around like you couldn't believe, and as I say, I love television. I uh, graduated. Uh, with them at the movies, uh, when I was 18, oh, the Eddie Cantor movie, that's how I got the name Margaret Carey. He named me that. Uh, so uh, you have an agent, and that agent has to know what's going on around town, and that agent makes 10% out of what you make. Uh, well, working in television wasn't much money, I will tell you. I think I made, when I finished up working the a network show, with the Ruggles, I was making $145 a week. Wow. And, of course, <laughs> it was wild. And it, I went to Fox, assistant dance director at Fox, and got a call from my agent who said, get yourself over to Disney, see if you can get a day off, and interview, because they are looking for somebody to be a live model for a three-and-a-half-inch ferry. And I said, Disney, if they won't let me go, I'll just call in sick. <laughs> I I mean, Disney was the biggest thing that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I think MGM is probably bigger, a little bigger. It was just losing its luster. But Disney was just, you could hardly wait to work there. So uh, then that night, I um, had a, a workout room in my folks' home. And I worked out a pantomime because you have to show somebody something you know you mm-hmm. just can't walk in and say "Hi, hire me right <laughs> <clears throat> so I had done uh put together choreographed a um a little boy fixing breakfast, dropping the eggs, you know, and then trying to get up, uh, burning himself whatever, and then uh, I took my little forty five record because I did it to the that the music on the record, mm-hmm. and my little player, and next morning off I went to Disney, capitals, <laughs> all dancing in my head. <laughs> and I, I went to Mark Davis, who is the man who designed Tinkerbell, mm-hmm. yeah. and I went to his office and so he said, what have you got there? And I said, I have a record player I'd like to show you that I can do pantomime." which was not the usual. So I was much more than just an actress. I was a dancer. And a pantomime. I was almost everything except I can't sing. Mm-hmm. never been able to sing. I can whistle, but I can't <laughs> sing. So <clears throat> anyway, he put it on, and I did my little pantomime. And he smiled, and he said, Well, the first scene that we're doing with Tinkerbell is, and of course, Up on the Wall, Brian, up on the wall, all the way around his little room, were pictures, oversized pictures of Tinkerbell that he had sketched. Mm-hmm. Just just sketches, not completed. And, of course, I was just, it was magical.
2: I'm sure. You can imagine.
0: Yeah. It was magical. And so he, he said, well, I, I don't remember, I don't know whether you remember, but there's a scene where uh, we're going to do Tinkerbell and then he pulled it out and showed me how he had sketched it, where she lands on the mirror on uh Wendy's dresser and she sees herself and then she looks at herself and then she gets upset at the size of her hips. <laughs> and he says, Can you do that? And of course there was no mirror. There was not a sound stage, it was just a room. I said, Certainly. So I I moved Uh, as I thought Tinkerbell should move, because I'm a dancer. Mm -hmm. So I used a lot of ballet with her, a lot. Her walk is a ballerina's walk. And the arms are done like a ballet dancer would do. So uh, anyway, I hopped on the the mirror, and I did a double take because I played it as if she had never seen a mirror before. Mm -hmm. And then when they say she's preening herself, that's not the way that I played it. I played it as if she's seeing herself for the first time. Why would they have a mirror in Neverland? Right, yeah. So um, anyway, before he did that, he called somebody, and a fellow named Jerry Geronimi, who was one of the directors of the whole film, came down. And um, uh, a little bit later, Jerry Geronimi said, uh, 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 now remember, this is back in nineteen thirty 50 and 51 right into 52 and he said um um margaret and i said yes mr uh, because we always said mr we never call anybody with their first names then, uh he said we have to see your legs and so i lifted my skirt but i had worn my ballet tights and my mother had told me to, thank goodness, so I, nobody was embarrassed, and they said, either then, or they called me on the phone, I can't remember, but the line was, would it be convenient to come to work next Tuesday? Wow. Well, Brian, I had never been asked whether it would be convenient to come to work <laughs> in my entire life. You were there at a certain time, but what was going on was I did not have a contract. They called me in when the scenes were, were to be shot because I was doing all these other things. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't give up all the other things that I was working on. Right, yeah. And that was the way Hans Conrad worked. I think maybe Bobby Driscoll had a contract. I'm not sure. I know, um, of course, Catherine Beaumont had because she had done the um, uh, Alice and now it was doing Wendy. But uh, I didn't, so that's what they meant. Was are you tied up on yeah. Tuesday? But I thought, oh, they really must like me. Oh, I took it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I said Tuesday would be fine, and they said, he said, what time would you like to come? And I thought, I know something is wrong now. <laughs> so I thought I'll show them. Uh, ten o'clock. He says fine go into hairdressing at 10 o'clock, and we'll see you over at the soundstage at 10.30. And that's how it happened. Uh And when I got over to the stage, Brian, it was so lovely. I was in a one-piece bathing suit, my own. My hair was done up. I had a cover-up. Ladies did not walk around without a cover-up when you had a a bathing suit on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I stepped out in front of the camera. I knew what the scene was going to be. And I said, Mr. Davis, he said, yes. I said, what do you want her to be like? Do you want her to be like Betty Boo, but She's so excitable. Do you want her to be like Queen of the Fairies? What do you want? He said, Margaret, we want her to be you. Wow. And at that moment, we became alter egos.
1: Huh. Now, did you know what a legend Mark Davis was?
0: Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There was no Wikipedia to pick. Uh, right, <laughs> I didn't know anything about anyone. Mm-hmm. I just looked at the pictures that he had sketched, and I knew he was a, a genius. hmm Oh yeah, definitely. One, t- one time when we were shooting something, he wanted her to have this mm, very upset look on his face, on her face, and I said, "Well, how upset? You know, what do you want?" And he took a sheet of paper and a pencil. And it took them about 20 seconds to draw her head and the facial expression, just like that, mm-hmm. with just a few lines, jeez. like Picasso would do.
2: Yeah, jeez.
0: And I thought, I just can't, I can't believe it. <laughs> I got so excited every time I did it.
1: <laughs> so everything we see on screen on, for Tinkerbell on uh, Peter Pan uh, was the animators looking at you doing what Tinkerbell is doing in the film, right?
0: Exactly. Wow. Everything. Um, in fact, they didn't exaggerate very much because I exaggerated for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that she would have to because she's so tiny so uh, it, I was known as two takes Inc. I would go out in front of the camera and they would uh they would show me the storyboard I would work it out uh, the takes or whatever I felt that she, I played her as if she were about nine or ten eleven years old. And she was seeing the world for the first time. Really? Yeah. And she had her mind made up of what it should be like.
1: Yeah. So did... Uh, damn it. <laughs> were they, were they um, sketching you as you were doing the pantomime, or did they oh, film no, you? no, it
0: was a 30. 30- five millimeter camera set up with a cameraman, with the lighting, with just as if it, it's a movie.
1: Okay. And then they watch the film later on to, right. to do the drawings. Oh, okay.
0: <clears throat> and you see, one of the things, now, uh, I don't want to take anything away from the animators because they all could have done a really good job for Tinkerbell. I mean, not spectacular, but you got to admit they're all guys
1: <laughs> right exactly
0: <laughs> how does this little one turn around how does she shrug her shoulders how does she cock her head what does she do and a lot of of tinkerbell and the in the close-ups and so on was drawn by Mark Davis
2: mhm
0: he uh she was very difficult he said because she didn't talk right yeah And that was one of the things I think he never said it to me, but he gave me the feeling because I did um, really put a lot of energy in her, is the best way to say it, Mm -hmm. that he could just pick that right up. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because you have to, because she's not speaking, you have to come through with the the expressions and everything Mm. in your movements, so...
0: Mm. And so when she flies away, uh, I have a still that I take with me to the shows where I make appearances, mm-hmm. and I sign. And it's just her. I'm not in that one. Uh, I have a lot of uh, stills. You can see on my website, TinkerBellTalks.com. You can see which what they call composites. I uh, I am in one part of the of the photograph, and then it shows Tinkerbell actually doing it. Uh, Count off off the screen but this one she's flying away her arms are crossed and she is just on her way and we write i write underneath the messages attitude what (laughs) attitude and then sign it and people love that one because of the expression on her face and of course that's me yeah
1: now, when Tinkerbell was flying, did they actually hook you to a harness so they could get the impression of you flying away or anything like that?
0: Well, it's a lovely story. Uh, let, let me start back. I got a call from Mark Davis. We were halfway through doing the work. Uh, let's see. And Bobby Driscoll had been doing the live action in in green tights and, and his costume. For the scenes in the nursery, mm-hmm. and I think the scenes in the in the cave in the Lost Boys home, uh, so he could do that. I mean, do- Bobby—he uh, was my brother in the movie that I made just before that. In if you knew Susie, oh, really? uh, yeah, we knew each other. But anyway, I got a call from Mark Davis who said, "Do you know anyone who could be the live model?" for Peter Pan, and uh, Duval, And did I ever, he was the man I had been working with at Fox, who was the, a dance director, assistant dance director, who was one of the greatest dancers I've ever seen. Unfortunately, he only grew to five foot six, so he became a choreographer, and I said, you've got to get Roland Dupre. And so they called up Roland Dupre, and by George, they hired him. Wow. So, why I'm telling you that is Roland was in this contraption to see about flying. They put Catherine Beaumont in the contraption, and she told me, she said, Margaret, I was scared. I was, I was really, really scared because it's nothing. Like you see in the stage plays, where they have these great things, you know, with with people uh, off to the side who are making the the contraption fly where it's supposed to fly. No, it was like a basket, mm. and it was a big rope with a pulley. I mean, it was just. And Roland Dupré would say to her, "Well, let's just try to get off the ground." Here, oh, we're doing fine. And Catherine said, it took, I would say, about an hour for me to feel comfortable. So I had known this, and they had told me, well, you're going to fly to as Tinkerbell in the afternoon. And I went, oh, thrill. <laughs> That's not really what I want to do, but, oh, yes, Mr. Davis, you know, that kind of thing. So we went to lunch, and I came back, and I went buy I guess wardrobe first and I came back and and they were all talking to each other uh, Mark Davis and Jerry Geronimo and somebody else was there and they said Margaret we're sorry to tell you that uh we've decided that we're not going to have you fly and I thought oh maybe they saw you know that I was upset about it as you do because you you want to be perfect at that age and they said, well, you know, we figured out it wouldn't do any good because Tinkerbell doesn't fly like the rest of them. Tinkerbell darts. Uh. If you notice, she just she just sort of uh, makes an angle out of her body and then shoots off on her own, but she does not fly like the rest of them. Mm. So it wouldn't do us any good. I said, oh, pshaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, well, I guess I just won't get to do it, that's all. <laughs> Anyway, I thought I carried it off very well.
1: Yeah. Now, with all this talk of of Disney and Peter Pan and everything, did you ever actually get to meet Walt Disney himself?
0: Yes, I did. When I was there uh, working with them, believe it or not, Disney Studios only had one soundstage. And we were taking up the middle of the soundstage. It was a big setup. Do you know what a psych is? It's a nope. big piece of, uh, in their case, blue canvas. It must be 30 feet high, maybe 25 feet high, and about 50 feet wide. And it's rigged to hang from the catwalks up above. Okay. And that's the background. And then up above, there may be, oh, I would say 15 uh, uh, lights, studio lights up there. That are lighting the set, mm-hmm. and then about another fifteen down by the camera, and then the thirty-five millimeter camera, cameraman, um, puller—all the everybody was there, all except sound because she didn't talk. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, it was a, we took up most of the stage, a huge stage. But one one day, uh, because we didn't, I didn't have to mouth to a playback. We had left the big door open, the two-story door that lets trucks into a soundstage mm-hmm. to get to keep the place warm. A soundstage gets so cold so fast. Oh. Because if you're not shooting, all the lights turn off. As you can imagine, mm-hmm. save the lights is what you hear. Yep, click, yep. click, click, all around. So I looked over, and the sun was, was coming through the door, and the silhouettes of maybe six, seven men, walking in and they went over to a wall that was about you'll see this in my book somebody found the two pictures for me I'm just thrilled I have about 180 photos in my uh in my book wow. and I guess half of them nobody's ever seen really but anyway uh and it was it was Buddy Epson. oh geez. so they had a a little riser over against the wall and then on pinned on the wall was uh, registration draw uh, lines, white registration lines, and a mirror. And uh, you know, I, I I knew that they were doing it, but we were busy. And then a little bit later, they stopped, and uh, one shadow headed over to our to the camera, and I was trying to find my cover up. And are you ready? It was Walt Disney, mm-hmm. and he came over to talk to Mark and the cameraman and Jerry Geronimo, and so they're calling me over, and I'm going, hoop do! <laughs> it's the head of the studio. Wow. Well, I had been brought up since I was four years old. The head of any studio was God. Right. <laughs> I mean, you never saw them, really. Uh, I I remember that if one walked in, uh, as uh, Georgie Jessel did over at Fox when we were working there, you really felt like you had to curtsy Mm -hmm. as you walked by. It, It just, there it. But I'm talking to the head of the studio. Well, it happened four or five times. I think four, but there might have been one other time. It took me to the third time that he came over to chat that it was not only the head of the studio, it was Walt Disney. Right. <laughs> it took me that long, Wow, <laughs> and so he was charming. I never saw him smoke. he was um very soft spoken, but I knew his voice. I knew it from television mm-hmm. yeah, and it was it was exciting, and in my book, I read write those. Uh, words, some of those words in those paragraphs in capitals, mm. because that's the way I felt. It was in my head. Right. Yeah. And I had just mentioned to, I think, Jerry Dironomi, the director, oh, an hour or so before, something like that. And I said, you know, I went to school with Walt Disney's daughters. He said, you did. I said, yes. Sharon was, let's see, a little er- younger than I, and I, Dan- Diane, I think, was a little older or vice versa, I can't remember now, and uh, Monticello School for Girls. And by George, we're standing there chit-chatting, and I'm being pretty quiet, so I don't make any mistakes. And Walt Disney said to me, I understand that you went to school with my daughters. Well, I almost froze. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said yes, and I explained it, and it was Monticello School for Girls, and boy, I dropped the ball right then and there. You know, I should have said, boy, were they good students, or did they, you know. No, I didn't. And so he stepped away one step and came back and he said, I think they must have liked you, which I thought was so deep. <laughs> but I felt like a then I went to a girls' school because I could get a permit very easily to go to work in the movies. Oh really? If if you worked in, if you went to a public school, oh, you it, uh, it were usually denied. Mm. See, a public school at that time, and I don't know whether it still is. They got any uh, any child that showed up, they counted the heads of those children, and that's how much money they got to run their school for that day. Oh, uh, yeah. And they could put it down. We had two hundred and twelve. Uh, students here, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and if I wasn't there, well, they would have 211, well, that would make a difference to them, mm. so, um, anyway, that's why I went to the fabulous Monticello School for Girls, it was great, it was great, I loved it.
1: Yeah. Well, um,
0: so, so does that sort of give you a little background yeah, on, on...
1: Definitely, <laughs> it's fascinating, <laughs> it, this book is going to be amazing, I, 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 any idea when you're going to be having your book come out?
0: Yes, the 19th of February. February. Have you ever heard of Walt's, Walt Disney's barn? It's the only Walt Disney event in the world that's free. Hmm. And have you ever heard of Griffith Park in Los Angeles? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Walt Disney had a barn on in the backyard of his big estate that he would go to, you know, three, four, five times a week when he got home. And he would go in the barn and work on his miniature railroad or whatever he was building. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, there's a crank phone in it that he would call up and, or he would get called, Walt, dinner's ready. You know, he'd yeah. say, okay, be right there. Sometimes he would shave when he was there. His mirror is there. Well, Diane Disney Miller, when they sold his house, didn't want the barn to be taken down. So the live steamers right next to Travel Town on Zoo Drive um, a- a leased part of their land that they have to Walt Disney's barn. And it got moved there with all the stuff. His desk is there, his uh, the sink that he used, everything, but his uh, commode is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where the thing started for Imaginary. Oh. So... They are open the third Sundays of each month from 11 to 3 and beautifully landscaped. And they have other things there too, but they have parts of his miniature railroad and um, things of different of different animators who are there. And so they have celebrities come sometimes when they have a book signing. So February 19th, I will be there and it will be the first edition And there's a little special because it's the first time that I was doing it uh, that will go along with these books that that won't be with it a little bit later. But it's 400 pages. Wow. It um, has 180 pictures, uh, a few sketches, Mm -hmm. talks about the Lone Ranger. Oh, did I tell you? I'm going to digress. I'm so good at digressing. (laughs) I've practiced it through the years. But Brian... I got to work in a Lone Ranger television. I told yes. you I love television. Yeah. So, um, I got to work in that and uh when when you read it, you will find out I had a um what do they call it, a wardrobe m- malfunction? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't shocking at oh, okay. <laughs> all. But I had to be sewn into my costume because it was too large for me. Mhm. So from from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, you can imagine what was going on. Anyway, um, one of the highlights of my career, the the episode is called "The Squire," Mm -hmm. and I play a very feisty teenager. And uh, I'm the one that they gave the line to that says, "No, Dad, he's the Lone Ranger." (laughs) That's a highlight of my career because I adored the Lone Ranger oh. when it came on the radio. Oh
2: yeah, Gee.
0: he was my best friend. I didn't have any friends growing up. I just worked.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It wasn't bad. It was just different. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But, but the Lone Ranger was my friend, and here I was working with him. I, it was it was just incredible for me. Yeah. And so there's a picture of me with with the Lone Ranger in in the. In the book, mm. and how how I got there, and, and the reason that I bring up the costume is, I weighed about 117 pounds, and I was pretty good looking. I will tell you, the cover of my book is just about when I was there, but I always felt because I was curvy, you know, and not skinny like a uh, beautifully skinny like Veronica Lake will say. Mm-hmm. Well, they tried on these different costumes in at Western costumer where we were trying to find the right costume to work on, and I put this gorgeous split skirt made out of the beautiful leather, and it was too large for me but Zowie, you know what it had been handmade for Anne Baxter, the movie star. Wow, Brian, I was thinner than Ann Baxter. <laughs> Do you realize what that meant to a teenager? (laughs) (laughs) I could be very shallow at some time, you know. (laughs) Oh.
2: And
1: now, so all of this is in the book, right? That yes, done. yes. And, yes. Now, and my,
0: I... trip, my, my trip that Disney sent me on the, the magic, the cruise, they sent me to London. Right now, I'm headed off to Missouri to do a show. For the Andy Griffith Show, I go up and do the Mayberry Days up in Mount Airy. Yes. be there.
2: Yeah, I I'm saw that. Off,
0: I'm off to Chicago. I'm off to Philadelphia. Uh, I'm off to San Francisco. And all because of Tinkerbell. Yeah. Margaret. Isn't that did, not fabulous?
1: Don't you rest at all? It sounds like you're constantly well, moving.
0: Well, no. I, I don't because I tell you what. You know, my book says... Bell Talks, Tales of a Pixie Dusted Life, and you know, Brian, it is, and it's all her doing, because she is still one of the main icons for Disney, and a Disney executive told me not very long ago, she is recognized in Outer Mongolia.
2: I'm sure, yeah,
1: geez.
0: That's how famous she is, mm-hmm. and so you know i took all these things and and off i go and uh, another thing people usually ask me and you probably would so i'll, I'll ask for i'll tell you what your question will be <laughs> okay <laughs> but why is why has she continued to be so famous mm-hmm. yeah uh, at one time there were three blonde icons in the world there was Mary, marilyn monroe mm-hmm. there was princess diana and there was tinkerbell
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and now there's really Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think it's this. Tinkerbell and I, being alter egos, we have a curiosity about the world, and we have a child-likeness about what is around the corner. Oh, this is going to work out. How's that going to happen? Oh, I could hardly wait for that. Oh, boy, I'll be right there. We have that, and it translates or, or, or carries over to the people who are watching. And when I go on shows, you know, I could hardly wait to find out what a person's name is, what it means, and and tell so many little kids, what does your name mean? And he'll say, Michael. And I said, do you know what that means? And he goes, Oh, and I'll say, that comes from the prophet Micah, who's in the Bible, and E-L at the end stands for God, and it means who is like God, and they'll light up. I have seen little children who who are, you know, are tired or disappointed, and we'll find out what their name means and how they got it. Well, that's what, and that's Tinkerbell. Yeah. She would like to know. All of those things, too. So I think that people can understand where she's getting. A lot of the other fairies, you know, I did the red-headed mermaid also. Yes, yeah. Which started me on another career entirely.
2: The voiceover. Which was
0: voiceover. Yes. I did over 600 cartoon voiceovers for television. Wow. But, uh, and I did talk with her. Oh! We just wanted to drown her. You know, that was my line. In the head. But they were they were mean. Yes, uh, yeah. They were uh, very, um, what, narcissistic.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But jealous. Tinkerbell
0: yeah. can be that, but she can also be very helpful. She can be a hero. I mean, she drinks the poison mm-hmm. for for Peter. Yeah. Yeah. She will give her life to him. If that's not heroic, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. So she has all these parts of her that people go, "Yeah." And besides that, she's cute as a book.
1: Right. <laughs> 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 well, Margaret, I want to finish up with two final questions. All right. And this takes us away from your your all your your acting work that you did, your pantomimes and 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 your uh, uh, just everything you've done, you know, and okay. this this is more of a personal thing. All right. When you sit back and relax, and I know just from your talking, <laughs> you don't relax very often. But... No. <laughs> but uh, when you do, what are your favorite movies now and of the past? And what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? Well,
0: my favorite movie... When I saw it, I fell in love with it, and I can watch it over and over and over again. And this is an aside. I'm sorry that they're trying to do it over again, because you can't improve on it. It's uh, Mary Poppins.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: I just, I see something new. And that dance number, being a dancer, that dance number of the chimney sweeps, I I still can't get over it when I watch it. Mm. It is big. And you know that, that Dick Van Dyke was not a dancer.
2: Really, I didn't and know. That. No,
0: no. I mean, he could do strange falls, and he could do physical comedy. Right. Yeah, but he was not a dancer. I think it was magnificent. Oh yeah,
1: geez, you can't tell from the <laughs> from that no. film.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. And um, my the, the the scariest movie that I've ever watched, and I still can't watch it alone. It's a black and white movie that was made. I don't know how long ago. It is called *The Uninvited*.
2: Yes, I know With Ray
0: Malan and Ruth Hussey mm-hmm. and Gail Russell. I mean, when that ghost starts to materialize, I want somebody right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the remake, but then I, I seldom do.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. It, know, it's, it's hard when you when you know what the the real one is. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm caught up with uh, just being very, very comfortable with television. Of course, the greatest ones are uh, Carol Burnett, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, her show, what, for eight years? <laughs> every every weekend there she was doing the great, great show. Right. And it's it, it's amazing. I am very disturbed at all of the mayhem on television, so I don't watch that very much. But I would say, <laughs> you can laugh to relax. Uh, we have a thing called "Me TV." Yes. Do you have it?: Oh, okay. yes, yeah. And the Andy Griffiths show comes on mm-hmm. and just takes me away.:
1: Yeah, oh yeah. And,
0: and <laughs> working with them on those two shows that I did, and then going up to Mayberry Days and then keeping in touch with all the people that are still with us that were on the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh it it just it's it's well, it just warms your heart. Yeah. And so I like that. And strangely enough, I watched the Perry Mason show cuz I could hardly wait to see the show where he loses the case. <laughs> and that that time I'm going to take myself out to dinner. <laughs>
2: Well,
1: Margaret, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sharing with us, and I, it it's I I can't wait to see the book because this sounds amazing. I'm I'm a big animation fan, so uh, of course you being on the show is is a thrill to have you here, and
2: I well, thank you. Well, I know so you much.
0: sound as if you're wrapping it up, but let me tell you one more thing. Sure. It's In the uh, two more things that's in the book, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. one. I helped start a riot at the college that I went to to save a communist job who uh, was a paid uh, student there, and that's a very funny story. And then the next one, when you talk about animation, I did seven-minute animation for George Clinton's Funkadelic. Really? (laughs) I produced it, and I got it to him in ten days, and then he showed it at the shrine. And the funny story that happened, when, uh, but but you got to read they're very short stories mm mm-hmm. they're very short with a beginning middle and but the best part was i never saw the film because we were so pressed for time and i stayed up almost 24 hours a day to get it done and had people do it i hand uh i handed the the film in not seeing it it was a, a green print and I never saw it and I you know went about my business 35 years later. I'm at a celebrity show. Somebody says there's George Clinton sitting across from you. You got to go talk to him. I I went over and said told him who I was and I was the one that produced the show. He said we're still using it. <laughs> After 35 years. Wow. And I said, well, or could have been longer, but anyway, that's long, long enough. I said, you know, I never saw it. He says, you sit right down here, and he put it on his droid. And I watched the film that I made for him, wow. low these decades ago, and it was pretty doggone good.
1: <laughs> so from Tinkerbell to Funkadelic,
2: that's, I mean. Right,
0: that's... <laughs> right. So I just thought you'd get a kick out, but those stories are in, in the book. Mm, and uh, and early Hollywood and all the things that go with it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you, it's it's February nineteenth. It will come out, and if they go on the internet on on the nineteenth, I think that it will be up at that moment when they could push a button and order it
1: on your website on my, on
0: my website, which is okay. TinkerbellTalks.com. dot com.
1: All right. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Well, thank you for being such a host, and let me just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> Which is really odd, because I'm known for Tinkerbell. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to send everyone faith and trust and a whole bunch of pixie dust and a little bit of serendipity mixed in. Blessings.
1: A big thank you going out to Margaret Carey for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. We've all seen... uh, her work or sort of her work because uh, the animators at disney used her as a live model to do all the things that tinkerbell did in peter pan and they took her movements and everything and put them on cells and made the movie it's just it's just amazing and uh, thank you so much for joining us here at on screen and beyond be sure to check out her book when it comes out that is going to be a, a quite a book So that's coming out shortly, and uh, like I said, want to thank you so much for joining us. Well, here we are at the end of another episode of On Screen and Beyond, and we've got uh, a lot of great DVDs and, and movies coming out on DVD and, of course, in theaters, too so uh hope you enjoyed that if you have a suggestion for a guest be sure to send it to me at feedback at com. like us on facebook and all those other things and if you want to uh, chat with me or you know talk with me or converse with me feedback at com is the place to do that and uh, i read every single me- email that comes through and i really appreciate everybody who sends in an email because it's a lot of fun to do, uh get back to you and talk to you and everything like that uh, so uh, thank you very much for that and that's it that's a wrap for this episode of on screen to be on until next week when we once again take you on screen and beyond i'm brian zemrak take care <laughs>